Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Long time no talk. Welcome to episode 213 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Shinsu Chu episode? Shinsu Chu. Everybody knows one. He's a slugger for the Texas Rangers. Used to play for the Indians and the Reds, and he has 213 homers in his still active big league career. Shinsu Chu. Shinsu Chu. Everybody knows him. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, the other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! So, you were in front of a computer yesterday. Let's jump right into it. A Zoom call with head coach Brian Kelly, Notre Dame football. Yes, and uh, not a lot of football talked about in this. Uh, most of Coach Kelly's remarks had to do with the COVID virus and with the racism problem in america right now however he did speak occasionally of football basically what has happened is the irish players have returned to campus they are being quarantined currently at the morris inn undergoing covid19 testing one player per room i would assume so okay so in dealing with them and in uh trying to prepare his team to be able to go back into the strength and conditioning program beginning Monday. Uh, pause. What's the number on that one player per room? How many players at uh, during this time of year? Well, it's not mandatory right now that they be here. These oh. are voluntary workouts. Okay. Now, I have the feeling most of the players are showing up because, well, it's not mandatory that they play you next year either. Okay. You know, that's... My my uh, my understanding of football voluntary workouts is, well, you can volunteer to sit the bench next year, too, if you'd like. So ballpark, how many players? About 100. About 100? Okay, yeah. okay. Which that hotel can handle 100 people, 100 different rooms. So they are going to be tested for COVID twice or every other week during the regular or during the preseason, excuse me, and every week during the regular season. If you test negatively, you become quarantined and kept out of the football facilities. It's going to be a brave new world for these college football programs. A lot of 
pressure being put on athletic training staffs and on the team doctors and people like that who are going to have to monitor these kind of situations, trying to keep teams as healthy as possible, not to mention, you know, the various injuries that you get during the season. Uh, But one of the things that Coach Kelly is extremely concerned about right now is his team's physical makeup. In other words, you know, you haven't had workouts now other than what you've been able to do on your own since March. And that's one of the things that he talked about yesterday. We've had like 12 weeks of sitting on the couch. Uh, These are highly motivated, extraordinary athletes that are passionate about playing football, but they are deconditioned. Matt Bayless will be challenged and his staff over the next month to gradually bring this team back to what level they need to be at before we even start to to talk about getting into a three-point stance. So I have no idea right now. My expectation is because of the makeup of our group and the staff that we have, we'll get them back there. But to really give you an indication of what they're going to look like right now, hard to say. So that Matt Bayless that he speaks of is the outstanding strength and conditioning coach at the University of Notre Dame. And he's really going to be the the star of the program here for the next four weeks because he's going to be trying to get guys ready to go. The NCAA is basically mandating what the training camp schedule is going to be like for teams. And it'll fudge by a day or two depending on when you play. But what's going to happen here for the first few weeks, Corey, say starting next Monday to about, um, let's say, July 12th or 13th is that's going to be strictly strength and conditioning. And you get into the weight room, and of course there's going to be social distancing procedures and sanitizing procedures that have to happen there. But you're going to go into the weight room, you're going to do your work, you're trying to get yourself back into playing shape. Then from mid-July until August 7th, there's going to be walkthrough practices. You can have a ball and and... Quarterbacks can throw passes and things like that. But they're basically walkthroughs. What what Brian described yesterday is it's going to be like when you install plays during the spring, when you're installing your offense and defense, those kind of things, where players will get the idea of what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to go and be able to physically do them. But there's not going to be any contact or anything like that. Then August 7th, is when football practices as we know them begin. Okay. So it's a lot of downtime right now for these players, and I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a stir-crazy situation because they're basically confined to quarters at the Morris Inn. How much are they confined to quarters? Let's put it this way. Right now their meals are a pick-up-and-go situation. Mm-hmm. You get your meal, you pick it up, and you take it back to your room to eat it. Wow. Uh, So they can't even have meals together. They are working with the staff at the Morris Inn to come up with a situation where players could sit maybe five to a table, tables being six feet apart, and have one meal a day that way. Let's jump into... uh, Game season scenario. Yes. I'm going to ask you to completely be hypothetical and what you think would happen. 
What's the depth chart on a quarterback at Notre Dame? Four guys? Yeah. All four test positive during the season. What would happen? Well, uh, there are probably players on the team who have played quarterback before in high school Mm -hmm. and moved to a different position. Or you come up with some sort of uh, gimmick offense to try to run. But one of the things that they're going to have to be careful of doing in team meetings, and one of the reasons why I think they're still going to have a lot of Zoom meetings or virtual meetings, if you prefer, is that they can't afford to get into a situation where they have all four quarterbacks in the same room at the same time. The starting quarterback's going to be by himself in his room probably during meetings. And and the backup and the three and the four okay. because... Uh, They're going to go out of their way to accommodate. Right, because you can't put yourself in a situation where, yeah. uh, okay, Ian Book's in the room with Drew Pine and Brandon Clark, and all of a sudden they find out, oh, by the way, one of you tested positive. Well, now you've got to quarantine all three, yeah. and then what happens? And the same is true with coaches. They've gone through different scenarios already. What if Brian gets COVID? What if Tommy Reese gets COVID? Hmm. What if, you know, who covers for whom? Okay. And so they've had to be very open and transparent with one another as a staff. Here are the things that I'm working on so that in some ways it's better communication because everybody knows the same page that everybody else is on. But it's it's this having to work with this cloud over your head of, okay, well, what happens if I go down? Yeah, and... Could we see Brian Kelly up in one of those booths during the season? Uh, I don't think you will. I think one of the things he mentioned is that now you might see uh, Nick Saban because he's over the age of 65. You might see him upstairs or with a mask on. Um, Any coach that's over the age of 65, the recommendation will be that they wear a mask. Uh, there will be there will be times where coaches on the field may have masks on. So you might see Brian Kelly in a mask down on the field, even though he's not sixty five. All of this remains to be seen. I mean, it's it's a completely different world that we're entering. One of the things that we'll find out is Brian Kelly made a recommendation yesterday, just answering a question because. With the social distancing for fans, for instance, Notre Dame plays Wake Forest in late September. I was planning to go to this game to visit my son down in South Carolina. He's about two hours from Charlotte where they're supposed to play Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest isn't in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's in Winston-Salem. But they were going to play at the stadium where the Carolina Panthers play. Okay. The problem is if you're only filling that stadium by a quarter, you're probably not covering the rent for that stadium for the day, and therefore you're losing money. So does it make sense to put 20,000 people into the Carolina Panthers stadium when you could put them into the on-campus facility at Wake Forest and a place that's already kind of gone through all the precautions? Not that the NFL stadiums won't have their own precautions, obviously. Right. But... You don't have the financial loss that you do by renting out this stadium. So those are the kinds of things that they're going to have to look at because 
if you look at Notre Dame's schedule this year, they play Georgia Tech in the Georgia Dome. They play Wake Forest in BB&T Stadium in Charlotte. They're scheduled to play Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. Wow. Um, all of those are up in the air somewhat. On this June 10th episode, do we see a sponsored face mask on the sideline with a logo on it? I would think you'd get an Under Armour face mask. Oh, yeah. I guess that would be appropriate. For Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, I, I would think whoever your apparel company is is going to be your be the ones. face mask supplier. And then how soon will we see that on a website to purchase as a fan? Oh, of course. Okay. Or something with the ND logo, or some, which those are already out there. Are they? I, yeah. haven't, I haven't seen mm-hmm. those. Okay. I would love to ask you, uh, I'll jump around a little bit, but I would. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, a handful of days ago, and it had uh, the name Russ Radke in it. Mm. And I remember us talking in February about Coach going to Portage pre-corona uh, quarantine, and then lo and behold, another coaching change. So let me answer your your question or statement here with a story. Okay. Okay. Uh, I took last Thursday and Friday off from the station because I was going to help move my daughters out of the University of Dayton. It's the first that they had been allowed to go on campus and get their stuff since the pandemic ended. And I made a, a comment on Twitter, look, I'm not going to be around much the next couple of days, so if I miss your birthday or anniversary, I apologize. That's the way it is. And, of course, it's Murphy's Law. If I choose those days to take off, something is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm driving Thursday, and my phone dings, and I get to the rest stop, and I check it, and I've got a message that the Jimtown basketball coach, Matt Schaus, has uh, informed his assistant coaches that he is leaving Jimtown to take the job at Columbia City. And so I text Matt. I ask him if this is true. And I send an email to the athletic director at Jimtown, Nathan Dean, ask him if this is true. And I do get a response from Nathan, who confirms the story. So I break that story while I'm out on the road. And I thought, okay, well... We tested Murphy's Law early. We're fine. Should be done. So I get to Dayton. We move some stuff. Um, I'm in the hotel Thursday night. And now my phone starts to ding with some other things. And I have two sources telling me that uh, Russ Radke is interviewing for this job at Knox. Had a second interview today. Uh, his former assistants at New Prairie are aware of the situation that he's interviewing at Knox. And it's it's one of those things where, okay, where there's smoke, there's fire. Typically, my way of operating in these circumstances is, okay, uh, I'm going to check because I figure if somebody's interviewing for a job, it hasn't necessarily been offered yet. So it would be wrong for me to reach out to Russ and say, are you going to Knox? Uh, Because he may not know yet. So instead, I started checking like, well, is there a school board meeting coming up where this would be put on the agenda? 
Um, is there anything like that? And there, there wasn't anything online. I thought, well, maybe this is something that's not going to happen until Monday. So I kind of, I was aware of the situation, but I, I put it off to the side. Friday morning, and fortunately Friday was a day that we're going to take pictures of our girls in their caps and gowns and get all that graduation stuff that we didn't get at Dayton. So Friday morning was a little slow. And all of a sudden, um, it's like somebody sends me a text, this is happening. And I said, well, what's your source? And they told me. And so then I sent an email. Again, I kind of followed the procedure that I did the previous day. And then I had, I was able to kind of follow a, a tree, basically, starting, uh, starting at the root and working the way out and using sources that way to finally track down that this was true. And... I felt really good when I got the tweet out and literally seconds later, I saw two more organizations tweeting it out that this was the case, that Russ was taking the job at Knox. Now, the rest of the morning, I'm getting tweets why or questions, texts. Why would he do this? Why would he have gone to Portage, not even coach a game, and go to Knox? Here's what I'll tell you. Russ Radke is is very into two things in his life. His family, he's been married to the same woman for 48 years, and his boys mean an awful lot to him. And his son Tyler is an assistant principal at Knox. So Tyler used to be Russ's offensive coordinator until he took the Knox job last year. So it's a chance for him to reunite with Tyler. Russ Radke is a farmer. He does not need coaching for financial reasons. He's 72 years old. He gets most of his money from his farm. He uses his coaching money to buy tractors for the farm. Hmm. So even though he got a nice contract at Portage, uh, he's going to get a good deal at Knox. Probably not as much as he was making at Portage, but he's not spending as much time on the road, driving all the way to Portage every day. He has an awful lot of farmland down in Stark County. Oh, okay. This is a little bit closer to home base. Right. Okay. This is where he started his coaching career, was in Stark County at North Judson, which is Knox's big rival. Okay. So, And he's a North Judson graduate, which means a lot of people think that, oh my goodness, what a turncoat thing to do. What a tre- treacherous thing to do to go to Knox. But I think for Russ, it's about being reunited with his son. It's about being close to home. And here's the other thing. He was taking over a program at Portage that was going to be 1-9 last year. The team at Knox won a sectional last year, and they got a lot of talent coming back. And I think Russ feels at this stage of his career, he would rather take over a program like that than the program at Portage. Had the two jobs been open at the same time back in February, I don't think he would have considered the Portage job. Okay. The Knox job did not open up until its head coach, John Hendricks, decided to go back to his alma mater at Winnemac, be closer to his ailing parents, and help take care of them. 
So John Hendricks leaves Knox to go to Winnemac, and I think Russ looks at that job, and his son probably looks at that job and says, Dad, this would be a good place for you. Mm. And he goes there. Now, I know a lot of people at Portage aren't happy about it. And a lot of people at New Prairie might say, well, well why did Russ leave? And, and I think if you live in that community, you're probably aware Russ and some of the administration at New Prairie did not get along. So that's why he left New Prairie, took the Portage job because that was best available at the time, but another job opened up, and he went and took it. And unless there's some ironclad contract at Portage that says, no, you can't leave for another job, which I doubt there was, he's well within his rights to do it. So there's an opening head position at Portage right now. At Portage. Now, there there are candidates out there. There are probably people that applied for the Portage job when it was first open that right. they could go back and look at. Uh, I'll give you a name. There's an assistant over at Michigan City by the name of Roy Richards, who is a terrific head coach at Hammond Morton. He's uh, Phil Mason is the head coach at Michigan City, and he's Phil Mason's best friend. But if he wants to be a head coach, he can go be a head coach at Portage. And if I were Portage, I'd be calling Roy Richards, but I don't know what Portage will do. Okay. Oh, by the way, just to add to the little intrigue, so I told you John Hendricks left Knox to go be the head coach at Winnemac. Russ Radke comes to Knox. Who does Knox open the season with this year? Winnemac. <laughs> Woo, so some, that'll be interesting. Some Friday night light drama. Yeah. All right. Let's talk baseball. Well, I'd rather be talking about games, but I think it's still going to be a while before we play games, although there's been a lot of games being played with this whole contract situation, trying to figure out what the two sides are going to do between the Major League Owners and the Players Association. Players Association offered a proposal last night for an 89-game schedule, 75% of which was prorated. The owners on Monday had offered a 76-game schedule, 50% prorated. So you take a look at that and you say, well, at least they're starting to come together. And I guess on paper it is that way. But quite frankly, this thing is still headed, I think, for the commissioner's 50-game season. There, There's a clause in the contract that says the commissioner can put forth this 50-game season if the two sides can't come together. And the two sides are billions of dollars apart because I think on the surface as fans, we look at, okay, you've got a 76-game proposal and an 89-game proposal. Those aren't that far apart. But with the proration of salaries and the playoff money that's being asked for, that's where we get into this we're billions of do- a billion dollars apart. And I realize uh, lots of times the word billions gets tossed around these days. A billion dollars is still a lot of money. And I just don't see I don't see this being settled amicably. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they come to their senses and bring this together because baseball's really missed out on a chance here. To, to kind of be the heroic force of this country and come together and give people something to watch during this pandemic. 
and, and they're really missing out on an opportunity because the other thing, Corey, is once they start, if they play a 50-game season, they're going to be going up against college football, pro football, the NBA playoffs, maybe the NHL playoffs, and golf's four majors. There's only so many hours of viewing that anybody can do. Right. And I think baseball will have lost enough goodwill that they will be well down the list. Hmm. Draft day today <clears throat> kicks off. It is draft day. Tigers have the number one choice. There is a first baseman from Arizona State by the name of Spencer Torkelson that many people believe is the best player in the draft. So we'll see if Detroit goes for him or if they decide that they need pitching. Uh, either way, I would look for on day two of the draft. Round one, it, it's similar to the NFL draft, the way baseball is doing it this year. Round one is the only round that will be today or tonight. And then rounds two through five will be tomorrow. So I would expect tomorrow would be the day that we could hear a couple of Notre Dame players drafted. Joe Boyle, and then former Sports Yak guest Nico Cavadas. Episode 204. Yes, and uh, Nico out of Penn High School. That would be great if he could find a way to, to go in the rounds four or five. I'm sure Link Jarrett at Notre Dame said it would be great if he didn't get drafted and he came back and played one more year at Notre Dame. Uh, but you know, it, it would be a thrill for Nico to hear his name called. And there's another young man from the area out of Marion High School, played at the University of Dayton, uh, by the name of Riley Tarada, who is a third baseman, who has an outside chance, I think, of hearing his name called in the first five rounds. So we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a much shorter baseball draft than we normally have. Normally, Corey, a baseball draft is 40 rounds. But because of the uncertainty of what's going on with the minor leagues, the uncertainty of... Uh, college baseball and things ending early, it's been shortened to five rounds this year. So uh, it's almost a guarantee that any player who gets drafted will leave their institution and go into the minor leagues. Hmm. Touch on NASCAR a bit. We've seen a handful of races in the past couple of weeks. Have you watched any of them? I watched the very first one. Okay. But it's just not your sport, is it? Uh, I kind of forget that it's on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost fallen into the thing where it's on so much now Yeah, that you're a little bit saturated with the product. Yeah, during uh, the week doesn't help. I'm, you're busy with your weekday stuff. I forget about it. So they race under the lights at Martinsville tonight. Ryan Blaney has the pole. He got that spot based on his standing in the last race. Ryan Newman will start 16th where he has consistently finished uh, since he returning to the track, and obviously it's a very heroic return to the track given the accident that he had in the Daytona 500, but still you'd like to see him make some progress. I don't think he's done any better than 13th in a race so far since they've restarted. It has been the usual suspects, Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick, dominating on the NASCAR circuit so far. I don't expect it to be any different uh, on these short tracks like at Martinsville, so... We'll see what happens tonight as they race under the lights. Um, you were looking if you were looking for NASCAR to get a big boost out of this. I just don't think it has happened. IndyCar returned to action last weekend. Scott Dixon got the win at Texas Motor Speedway. That was an uh, an afternoon race on NBC. I didn't hear much about the ratings for it, so I don't think that it necessarily 
uh, did a great job in the ratings. Why don't we uh, wrap things up and end with a big fish story? Have you seen the video? Well, I know you have. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video of Michael Jordan landing a marlin, a blue marlin, I believe, in this fishing contest out in North Carolina? It's the uh, the big rock marlin contest, and they get these fishing boats, and Jordan, I don't want to say he's the captain because I don't think he's steering the boat or anything, but he's the big name on this fishing team. And probably paying for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catch twenty three, I think. Catch twenty three, the, uh, and there's some prize money on the line. There's, Three point four million dollars. Yeah, so this isn't just uh, you and your buddy going out into Bass Lake and trying to hook a big old fish and see who gets the bigger fish. Although that's basically the premise of this: is who who gets the biggest marlin? Michael Jordan yesterday hooks a four hundred forty two pound blue marlin. I can't imagine how much time it took to wrestle this thing into the boat. But they get it. Everybody's cheering. He's posing with his cigar in his mouth behind it. I mean, it's it's a big deal. He's sixth in the standings. I think the number one Marlin was something like 490 pounds. Have you ever... What's the biggest fish you have you ever hooked a fish? Have you ever gone fishing? Yeah, I mean there was a there was a camp that our family would go to in Michigan. They had a little lake in the middle of the camp, and there was a big carp in the middle there. And you caught it was a kind of a catch rite of passage yeah. to catch the big carp and put him back. Four hundred and forty two pounds. The photo alone of this team of nine guys standing around this thing. It's like. <laughs> it's like that one uh, that scene in Jaws when they catch the first shark. You know that thing. It's like that's not a big enough shark, but it was huge, huge fish. Amazing. So it makes you wonder if there's anything Michael Jordan cannot do. I w- I wouldn't mind a documentary, a little thirty minute uh, documentary on that day at sea. That that'd be <laughs> kind of fun to watch, wouldn't it? Although the answer is, is there anything Michael Jordan cannot do? Apparently, he can't get the Charlotte Hornets into the playoffs. Well, there's that. So. Well, we've shaken off the dust. We've brought back an episode for you. I hope you got what you were listening for. Uh, Boy, you are a wealth of information today. Yeah, and a wealth of allergies, too, so I apologize if my voice is cracking at times. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, what an outstanding Vin Scully documentary on MLB Network Monday night. Oh, yeah? From 8 to 10 p.m., just incredible stuff. And, of course, all of his great calls, the ones we're familiar with, the the Koufax perfect game, Hank Aaron's 715th home run, uh, behind the bag, it gets by Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it, Gibson's homer in 88. But they played a call that he did on radio of an argument that happened back in 59 at the Coliseum on a ball that was called fair and gave Willie Mays a double and Walter Alston comes out to argue it and now the umpires change the call to foul and here comes Bill Rigney out of the Giants dugout he's the manager at the time and Vin's description of Rigney during this argument is just how this man did this on the fly and described things the way he did and how he described his left hand goes up in disgust and now his right and and all of these things. It's just phenomenal. And where's that at? 
That's on MLB Network. It's called Sounds of the Game. Okay. And uh, you might be able to even find it online now. Just a, a terrific watch. You're on Twitter, right? At 46 Sports. Sports Yak as well with two Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Shin Sushu. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.